tonight's thought. If you think you're bad at scamming yourself a free pizza, then you should come hang out with me in the year 2005. Yeah, there I was on the back porch holding the cellular phone in my sweaty hand. Every part of me was sweaty, in fact. My hair was wet and it wasn't even summer. My heart was beating super fast. It felt like it was about to jump out of my rib cage and do a flying swan dive onto the dirty ground. blood was racing through my veins but you know what I didn't care because I felt alive it's now or never and I turned on the phone and began dialing numbers Get the door, it's Domino's. Oh, uh, yeah, hi. This is, uh, well, I called you guys last week and placed an order for delivery, and uh, the, the, the order was all wrong. You, you guys just got it wrong. Okay. Hello? Yeah, what is it? Well, I, I maybe like a, a, another pizza. Uh, well, yeah, you got your receipt? Uh, my receipt? No, no, I, I threw away my receipt, but I can tell you exactly what it was. And okay, um, well, when did, when did you order it again? Would you say you ordered it? I stepped back from the phone. I was like, you know, this guy is on to me. He knows exactly what I'm doing here. The nice guy softball approach isn't working, so I changed tactics. Hey, look, man. Like, you know, I'm the customer or whatever. And I when I say I ordered a pizza, it's not like I'm it's not like I'm lying or anything, like trying to get a free pizza. It's not like I like I watched some kind of like a Comedy Central show or something that showed me how to how to con myself a free pizza. I, I'm a genuine guy. And you know, like you're you're questioning me here and everything and all that. And there's like this long pause on the other end of the phone. <laughs> I saw that show, too. God damn. So he didn't buy it. This guy at Domino's. In fact, I did. 30 minutes and $12.95 later, I was sitting there on the back porch eating my cheese pizza and deciding that a life of con artistry was not for me. Not at all.
Campbell from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. This is the Midnight Citizen Show. Welcome in. I'm your host, Mike Booty. Here on another Saturday night. And was thinking about that this week. This one brief time in my life where, I don't know, I guess I decided it wasn't so much about not wanting to work for it. It was just about the the rush of excitement that you get, you know, getting something for free that attracted me to being a con artist. And that, and also there was there was this show on Comedy Central. I wonder if you remember this show. Do you remember this show? God, this is 16, 17 years now in the past. And I know, I know that it was in 2005 that I was on the back porch trying to con myself a pizza from Domino's, right? Calling them up and actually telling them that they had messed up an order. And the logic being that no kid working at Domino's is really going to care about giving away a pizza without you know proof that it's that it's actually a a credible return and an exchange for a fake for a bad pizza okay i just thought like they were just gonna avoid the hassle and just give it to me and uh, i was very wrong that that kid actually did his job quite well that day i don't know if he was the manager or something but (laughs) But I, I know that this was in the spring of 2005 because there was this show on Comedy Central called uh, Con. And it was this like idiot comedian who I guess was also a con artist teaching you how to like get free stuff all the time. And it was a, a cult hit. Like all my friends at UAB were like watching it. All my friends in college. And we would get together and just talk about how brazen it was that this guy was just going on national TV and, you know, like giving away all of his tricks, all of his secrets for anybody. And um, we didn't really uh, have any way at the time of finding out anything about this show. And I think even if we wanted to, and I'm sure we tried to, to find out, like, what was the gag? Okay, are these companies that he's scamming in on it? Like, he did call a Domino's Pizza and get a free pizza. Like, is Domino's in on it, or is he just that good, right? And uh, we didn't we didn't know, and, and I think Comedy Central was kind of trying to keep the lid on it to uh, preserve the mystery about it, right? But nevertheless, we were very fascinated by the show Con, okay? And uh, we wanted to be cons as well, because that's just who we were. Um, I was in my early twenties along with everybody else. And we were still at that point in life where I think we, we think that the entire world, I don't know, uh, owes us something and we were going to go get it right and not pay for it. Okay. So, uh, it was on a dare that I called and tried to con myself a pizza. My friend said, you know, I, I dare you to do that. And, uh, I, Okay. You know, dare culture was very big in the early 2000s. You know, Jackass was still on television at the time. Viva La Bam. You know, people were just like on TV, just doing crazy things and uh, just living life. And uh, I've never considered myself like an outrageous person, uh, somebody who 
does over-the-top things or, or tries to scam things or exploit loopholes and, and all that. I've always like followed the rules, and I think that's what made me such a terrible con artist. <laughs> it's the same thing that like made me a bad prank caller when I was a kid. I would always like call people up and just in, in, in five seconds give myself away, right? And just like hang the phone up in panic or like throw the phone into the freezer just like not even wanting to look at it just being scared of it yeah that's something i did once which was weird <laughs> right but yeah that was my short life as a con artist there on the back porch in the spring of 2005 and just that pizza was like my uh i guess my parting gift right to prove that uh that this world this world of of trickery was not for me learned a valuable lesson that day and it's one that I still think about to this day I think that the world uh, is divided into multiple dimensions you know we're, we're always talking about alternate dimensions the multiverse are there other realities going on on top of or on bottom of the reality that we're currently experiencing and uh, I think there are, and we can indeed travel to them. And uh, just like physicists suspect that there would be some certain restrictions if we were to go to other dimensions parallel to our own, there are definitely restrictions for us going into the actual visible parallel dimensions we can see in our world, okay? Um, what am I talking about? Okay, so like... <laughs> The deal is, is that uh, there uh, are certain classes in this world, right? People are divided by money, by stature, by reputation, by where they grew up, by who their friends are, who their family is. Uh, it's, it's this world that is split into multiple dimensions, Right? We can call it class or whatever. We can call it socioeconomic discrimination, whatever you want. But indeed, we, we, we do have these parallel dimensions, and we can sometimes travel out of our own dimension of whatever class we're in and step into the other one, right? And here in America... We have this idea that uh, that's 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 the goal, okay? You don't want to end up where you started off. You always want to be moving up the ladder, okay? You want to be traveling out of your own dimension that you were born into and end up in another one, in another better one, ideally, okay? So we spend our lives trying to do that, trying to escape our dimensions. And 
occasionally one of us may break through. Like if you're a like a Mark Zuckerberg type, although I, I think like Mark Zuckerberg, even though he's definitely like an elite billionaire and he's he's in a dimension of like godly status in terms of class, right? He's he's up there. If 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 we were to do like the dimensional conversion rate to like ancient Greece, he would be like hanging out there on Mount Olympus along with Jeff Bezos and. Uh, Elon Musk, Rupert Murdoch, I guess, people like that, right? But there's no doubt, you know, Mark Zuckerberg started out as this unassuming kid living with roommates in Harvard, and he created this thing called the Facebook that uh, launched him out of this fairly upper-tier dimension of rich people and into, like, something that few people on this earth have ever have ever witnessed okay like he's one he's like in the top 20 or 50 or so of the richest people who have ever lived on this planet now right okay so for many of us we realize that we're never going to get to this point where we will be able to uh, travel interdimensionally in this world before we die so we have to kind of cut corners and and figure things out and uh and right now I think I was like born into this generation of like hustling all the time. People really, really do not like the idea that they are trapped in this dimension. So people my age are, you know, whatever you want to call them, millennials or always finding ways. And so there's this um, culture of scammers out there and con artists. And you no doubt may have seen uh, a lot of shows lately on streaming services, such as uh, Netflix and HBO, that have been uh, releasing like a documentary or a miniseries every single week that uh, talks about uh, Generation Scam, right? These con artists are constantly trying to... Uh, break into other dimensions using their wits and using their uh, using their hustle and yes constantly constantly <laughs> breaking the law okay and it's fascinating because obviously this this moves two ways like right now there are two types of uh things i guess what i'm th saying let me give you an example uh this this week on netflix i've been watching uh, this show that just dropped last week called Inventing Anna. Right, you may you may have seen this. So this is a show about this um, girl who comes to New York and she begins telling everybody that she is the um, she's the heiress uh, to like a German fortune or a Russian. No, she's like a Russian. Is it Russia? Yeah, she's a Russian heiress, right? And Somehow she comes in with all this money, but she figures out how to essentially exploit everything that people around her are into. And she works her way into the highest echelons of the glitterati. These people who move on social media. 
going all over the world just so they can have like that perfect background to take a picture for their Instagram, right? People who like throw around American Express cards like they're candy. And she manages to work her way into all of this, okay? Her real name is Anna Sorokin, and I believe she's in prison right now, so she eventually got caught. But she managed to essentially just uh, move from person to person, making friends with all these different people who were not really of the upper echelon. They were actually in the dimension that I guess I'm probably in, and maybe a lot of you are probably in, right? these working class people they may have like a desk job they're not necessarily blue collar right but 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 they they have a job and they have a credit card with a pretty good limit on it and uh she manages to make friends with these working class people take them out of their boring dimensions of like bill paying and waking up at 8 o'clock and going to a job, and she brings them into the other dimension with her. So she actually is a visitor into the rich, wealthy, stratospherically elite dimension, and she's bringing people with her. She's like, come in here and check out what this is like, what this other world is like. So she brings them in, and they go to nightclubs, and they have champagne and caviar, uh, they go to, like, the most exclusive uh, hotel resorts in the world. They go on yachts, okay? And they all have a great time. Because what she realizes, what this Anna Sorokin, who goes by the name uh, Anna Delvey, that's her, that's her assumed name, right? What, what, what she realizes is that as long as you look the part, in this other dimension, which is based very much in superficial notions of who people are, you can get along for a really, really long time as long as you are assuming that role and you're playing that part in this weird dimension, okay? You can get by because you're charging everything. And then, of course, when the bill comes, she leaves, right? So this is uh, this is Anna Sorokin on this, uh, or AKA Anna Delvey, right? On this uh, new show, Inventing Anna on Netflix. So you might think this person is terrible, especially if you're a hardworking, bill-paying, responsible adult, okay? But the weird thing about this show, and also HBO did a documentary on her as well, Anna Delvey, is that she's almost being martyred. She's almost being looked at as like a folk hero, a master of her own destiny. Somebody who doesn't accept the dimension that they were born into and realize they were never going to be able to travel out of that world. And so they use the one really good thing that our middle class 
blue collar realm gives us. It gives us wits, the ability to survive. The ability to walk through the world and do things for ourselves, learn skills, okay? And she realized that the rich, wealthy people in this other realm were not always like that. They were used to having things handed to them all the time. They were used to basically making yourself accessorize your appearance. That was like the skill, and she knew how to do that. So, Inventing Anna is based on this article that ran in uh, New York Magazine. And when the article was published a couple of years ago, of course, it, it, it got a, you know, Netflix bought up the rights to it as fast as they could because people realized they love this stuff. Um, but the response was overwhelmingly to martyr Anna Delvey as she sat and waited to be sentenced at Rikers Island. Because what did she do? You know, she ripped off, not necessarily just wealthy people, but she also ripped off people who had the audacity to want to escape their world, to escape what they lived in. And, and you know, these, these people who had day jobs, but they dreamed of, wanting something else. And, and, and of course, what happened was is that Anna Delvey would take their, their American Express cards and their MasterCards, and she would charge everything to them and never pay them back. And so it's honestly like ignoring the victims, but, you know, propping up this person uh, who, who uh, you know, so, yeah, she was overwhelmingly painted as this uh, millennial folk hero somehow. I don't know. I mean, stealing's stealing, right? But I also understand it, right? She was one of the lucky ones, one of the few to uh, to breach this other world, right? If only, uh, if only for a minute. On the uh, other hand, when it goes the other way, when the wealthy become the Connors themselves, right? They, that that's almost like they become crucified in the public sphere. Okay, so you take like Bernie Madoff, for instance. This guy who ran like the ultimate Ponzi scheme for something like 40 years. Taking money from investors and then using that money to pay off other investors to make everybody always think that they were making this nice fat profit. Okay. Bernie Madoff was crucified because he was already in that ultimate, that stratospheric Mount Olympus sphere of rich people. And so there was nothing for him to do. And all he was doing was essentially coming into like the working class world and taking from those people. He was stealing upward. Okay. And then you also think about the college admissions scandal. People like, uh, you know, Felicity Huffman and uh, 
and uh, Lori Laughlin, right, and all these other wealthy people who were uh, bribing the coaches of these niche sports at top flight universities, like bribing the sailing coach at Stanford. I mean, <laughs> who does that? To get their kids who, who didn't really even want to go to college to go, to get accepted. And this was, uh, again, they were crucified in the media because these people were like leaving their world, coming to ours, and we were just dragging them through the mud on it. They're like, no, 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 no. You cannot come to our world. There are rules, right? We will crucify you. We will destroy you if you try to come into our world and destroy us, okay? So, you know, what was I that day? What was I that day? Right, that day that I tried to uh, con myself a pizza on the back porch. Trying to figure this out, like, all day. Was I a folk hero? Or was I sinister and evil? Was I just seeing what this other world was like? A, a world where you don't have to worry about paying money for a pizza because it's just always going to be there. People are always going to give you whatever you need. What was I? I think I was just a douchebag. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. <laughs> so I looked for evidence of this show con that used to come on Comedy Central. It, it only came on, so like now I'm a little bit more savvy, and, and so are they. They're, they're letting, they're spilling the tea, right, about the show. So apparently it only came on television for like a month. So this is an incredibly specific time in American broadcast history that this show was on the television, okay? It came on from like April to May of 2005, And, uh, yeah, it was this guy named Skylar Stone. And uh, he and his friends would just always, like, go around scamming people, trying to get things for free, particularly, like, scamming companies. Okay. And the whole idea of the show is that he would, uh, he would do it as, like, revenge, and, and he wanted to, to, to treat you to teach you how to get like revenge on people who did wrong things to you. And so I guess like the thing with the pizza is like they, he ordered a pizza or something. It wasn't right. 
No, it wasn't that because that would have he would have actually had to pay for it. I don't know. Maybe somebody at the pizza place was like rude to him, so he wanted to like scam a free pizza. It, it just ended up like looking like way more work than it was worth. But I guess that was part of the that was probably the reason why it was on Comedy Central. And I, I keep thinking that didn't Comedy Central have some kind of like an obligation, right? Even though it's a comedy show and they were clearly treating it as parody, didn't they have some kind of an obligation to like tell people? Because, I mean, I was 22, 23 years old. Granted, I was impressionable and a moron, but um, I was still very much influenced to try it out myself, right? You know, let's see the Skylar Stone guy. So this is called the... Uh, he's going to go and try and con Subway here. <laughs> yeah. Let me get this on here. What happened here? What's the one thing I demand that's not on my sandwich? You hate onions. Yes. What's on that sandwich? They put onions on it. And they yeah, they put onions on it. Well, you should sit there and watch them as they make away the sub, not go to the restroom when they start making your sub. Why, why should I have to watch them? Watch them do their job. Because they they're put onions on it. They're sandwich artists. They put onions on it. Yeah, and, and they're horrible artists. And the, yeah. How the fuck can you hate that shit? Right behind us. The girl with the shirt on. All right, we're not leaving, so you oh, go to another. Oh, God. Side. And get another sub. We gotta do something about it. We can't. Do I don't know if these right. guys would uh. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fucking screwed out of lunch. Survive in like the current culture, like they're using their cameraman to like spy on girls sunbathing on the beach. And they're very much like the frat bro kind of archetype. Right, like sunglasses, polo shirt, cargo shorts, walking on the beach, getting mad at like subway employees for making their sandwich wrong. We go inside the store. Like, like, you, like you dress up like... Yeah, I dress up like Jared. Dude, that'd be the ultimate con job. If they fucking bought it and we made fools of them, I would have no problem even doing that. Talking about making fools of the subway people. I got to turn it down there because I hear for some reason they're playing... Somehow they're playing Led Zeppelin. Like in the background. And this video is not being struck for copyright reasons. I get struck for copyright reasons all the time. Like, did they scam YouTube into like saying that Led Zeppelin was... I don't know. So, like, I've watched this video already. I'm going to kind of skip around on it. So, like, what's essentially happening here, right, is that uh, they're they're calling Subway up and, and they're pretending to be Jared Fogel's agent. Remember Jared? <laughs> yeah, this this is a long time ago. <laughs> Jared, Jared was the uh, Subway spokesman who I believe is serving time in jail now. Not, not for being a... Well, I guess he is kind of a con artist, but uh, he apparently was into children but anyway so they're calling a subway restaurant saying that they're gonna like uh bring jared on a celebrity media tour to their subway restaurant and uh hilarity ensues so i'm kind of going down and uh we'll see when they actually get to the subway oh yeah along the way he actually does this other mini con that i think is quite brilliant but it's also kind of sad like, he's in the car. He's going to, like, call a jack-in-the-box. He's waiting on me. It's going to loosen up. Because I know what it takes to lose weight, people. I miss that. So, yeah, no, he calls a jack-in-the-box and, and says, like, hey, I I ordered a, a hamburger and you guys made it wrong, and I wanted it 
with onions and you guys gave it to me without onions. And he does this by like going to a trash can and just finding a Jack in the box receipt and driving through the drive through. And uh, like, that's kind of brilliant, but at the same time, that's disgusting. Like you're, you're rooting through a trash can just so you can get a free Jack in the box. I don't know, but yeah, here they, here they are at Subway. Good to see you. Thanks for bringing out the welcome mat for me, rolling out the No, 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 look. Are those tulips, Mike? Yes. I didn't get you tulips. Yogi got you tulips. Oh, my Yogi. Let me tell you something, man. A lot of people do things in life that they don't remember. What you just did for me, I will remember from here on out. Do you understand that? You are a special person, and you bless people with your smile and your warmth. You're like a fireplace. You know that? And everybody hovers around you to stay warm. I wish I had a marshmallow. I'd hang it over your head right now. This guy's amazing. And Pry? Pry? Can I call you Pry or Pre? Or what, how are we working that? God, so they got this guy pretending to be Jared. Like the subway people came out with flowers to welcome him. Like, this is just so sad. Honestly, it's like just these two guys who are fairly, obviously, very quite privileged to have the ability to like get a limo and get a camera crew to film their shenanigans coming through just like filming these hardworking people at like a subway restaurant which you know you work at subway your life is already kind of i don't know <laughs> so uh everything smooth so far i'd love to get back there i'd love to help out if you guys don't mind it's 11.30 to 2.30. 11.30 to 2.30? Yeah. Turkey and lettuce only, baby. That's how I do things. Let's make some subs. Let's make some people happy. Let's put some So now he's, like, going behind the counter and uh, making subs and violating health code. Fantastic. And, and by the way, they're, they're doing this because Subway made his sandwich wrong. And so they're, they're doing this just so he can get a free sandwich. And, again, like, the, the, the fact that they're going way overboard with this it's supposed to be the joke. I, I, you know, I get that. There just still seems to be something so wrong with, uh, just play golf with Tiger Woods. There just seems to be something so wrong with, uh, scamming innocent, hardworking people. Right. And again, it's like this thing where it's like this privileged class comes into like a dimension that's not their own and they rip people off and then leave it. Right. It's just, oh, it's insanely uh, mean spirited. But I, I was looking at uh, the Wikipedia page for Khan and uh, the, this show that came on in 2005. And right. You never you never know with these shows. OK. You never know with them. Like what's what's real and what's not. OK. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that Khan went off the air, one, because it was a very controversial show, but two, because I think even in 2005, people were pretty keen that they didn't really want to, you know, just watch people being jerks uh, to each other on television in this fashion, right? They wanted it, like, more organically. Like, reality television, you know, people living in a house together and being jerks to each other, that was fine because everything was on the level. But uh, this idea of, like, deception as a form of entertainment, and I think even back then, uh, was was pretty hard for people to take. And, and I have a hard time watching this now, just seeing this, like, look at this, this like poor woman. <laughs> just, uh, oh, man. And just seeing that poor Subway employee coming out with, like, all those flowers, right? <laughs> it's just, it's awful. So, yeah, like, Comedy Central... The way that they got away with the show is is they would uh, actually work with the companies 
that this guy, Skylar Stone, was ripping off. And it would be like free advertising. That's the way that the show was pitched. And uh, so the companies would know and Comedy Central would know. The only people who didn't know were the employees at this company when he was ripping them off. So like the, these employees at Subway had no idea because, of course, that would ruin the surprise, the illusion. Right. And these people would have to fake like they didn't know what was going on. So like, OK, that's that's fine. At least these companies are not losing money, I guess. But at the same time, it, it's also really terrible because I would feel, as an employee of Subway, I would feel terrible that my company would, like, exploit me and, like, make me feel like a fool on national television. It would just be, uh, that would be, that would be pretty tough, right? That would be pretty hard to swallow. As a Subway employee. God, we, we really do uh, romanticize scam culture, don't we? In a way that, uh, like, we don't want to be the con artist, but we're nevertheless fascinated by people who just uh, get things, not necessarily for free, because a lot of scams, a lot of con artists have to put a lot of work into their scams. Like Anna Delvey put a lot of work into her scams. Like she never, she must have never slept, because like constantly she's got uh, things going, things in the in the fryer, and everybody at any given time, like five or six people, have to believe a lie that she's giving them in order for her major lie to work. And that's got to be incredibly stressful. So even though they are con artists, we almost like admire them for just using like having the gall and the audacity to tell these lies and to use their wits, right? Even though the ultimate ending of every con story is that uh, they don't get away with it. But I've heard like a lot of con artists, okay, when they're interviewed will say that they don't necessarily feel bad about the people they're con they've conned because what they're ultimately doing is they're making ordinary, insecure people who are trapped in their boring realities feel for just a few seconds like they're another person, right? It's like a fantasy camp that they don't even know that they're a part of. Yeah, but it's a fantasy camp that uh, for some of these people who are exploited, right, can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's kind of insane. So, yeah, I don't I don't really buy that right there. All right. So thank you again so much for joining me here. Okay. There's more show to come. Enjoy some music for now. And I'll be back in just a minute. Thank you so much. Once again, I'll see you after the break.
the rebel. He rode through the west. Welcome back into the Midnight Citizen Studio here on a Saturday night. I hope you enjoyed that little musical interlude. A tradition of sorts here on the show, we always like to play music that is available free on the free music archive as long as you attribute it, which I am about to do now. Yeah, the first track we had was uh, Idiot Revival by Blonde Elantra, followed by Jack Adkins with a nice little instrumental blues track, which I don't play that often on the music breaks, Slipping Away. Slipping away. And you can get both of those. Download both of those tracks along with like the tracks of other amazing artists, really, on the Free Music Archive. Okay. They do this stuff for free and allow people like myself to use it on their own shows as long as we uh, attribute them, which I just did. Links in the show description. at mikebooty.com slash the midnight citizen. And you can listen to me, right? Wherever you get podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, I'm there. As well as on the Overnightscape Underground, onsug.com. You can find me there as well. Yeah, on the break just now, um, I did something for the second week in a row um, on the live stream of this show. You can actually see me doing the show over at youtube.com slash Mike Booty. That's where I am right now doing the live show which is live on tape. I'm not actually doing a live show, but it will be up there. A video of me in front of the microphone saying these things. Yeah, I uh, streamed for once again, I, I streamed the, uh, what, what I'm calling night cam, right? Where we take you each week to a different live stream camera somewhere on the planet watching people live their lives right as it happens so tonight where do we go yeah we went to venice beach in los angeles california beautiful venice beach watching people there little piggies living their piggy lives right that's probably not the right thing to say when you're talking about you know like los angeles i don't know uh, but yeah, no, I'm watching that uh, right now. See what's going on. Yeah, this this is a, a nice uh, night cam because uh, it's a it's a big widescreen shot looking down the uh, boardwalk. Well, not really the boardwalk, but like the 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 uh, asphalt of uh, Venice Beach. I believe I, I saw this recently in a movie called I Love You, Man. It was like these two guys walking down Venice Beach with their dog and getting in fights with Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk from television. Um, but yeah, it's a super uh, like 
nice. People are walking around just having a good time here on Earth on February 19th, 2022. Right? It's one of those guys coming by and like those... You know, we don't have rickshaws anymore. You know, like where, where people would like actually put you in a cart and they would pull you around like rickshaws. They don't have those anymore now. They have those people like uh, riding on bicycles, right? And the bicycles are attached to a cart. I, I guess because the rickshaw just like looks kind of cruel and it's probably associated with like uh, slavery. I don't know. And then there's like this, you know. There was this guy dancing around without a shirt off. Is that like crazy or is that just L.A.? I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We don't really have places like Venice Beach here in Birmingham. Well, you know, like primarily because we're landlocked. We don't have a beach, but... uh yeah, just these, like, public squares. We, we kind of have a few of them. But they don't go on endlessly. Like, places like Venice Beach or, like, when you're at the beach, there's these long, long shopping centers that just go on for the eye, as far as the eye can see, as far as the beach goes. Right? You have surf shops and hot dog stands and carnival rides and things to do. And we don't have that in Birmingham. Like, we have a couple of parks, some nice green spaces. I think I actually heard once that Birmingham has more green space per capita than any other city in the United States. I mean, I guess so if you count, like, the woods, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I should know this kind of thing. I used to work for a park here. I used to work for a green space. Um, that was, like, a statistic that always got thrown around, but... Uh, I wasn't sure it was true. Like, more than New York with, like, Central Park and the High Line and all that? I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here in Birmingham, Alabama on a Saturday night, right? It's, it's wild, this idea of uh, being, like, in a position where you don't even know that you have to buy things, right? Like, things are just available to you. It's not something we get to experience that much, but there, there are certain things that I think everybody has this, like, universal... disbelief that, that, that you actually have to go to a store and buy. There are certain things that are just like always there when you need them. Okay. Like, um, like pins, for instance. I mean, when's the last time you bought, you know, like a big pin? They're, they're just all over. They're, they're always there. Like, and, and if you don't believe me, pick up like your sofa and just move it two inches. And I, I guarantee you, you'll find a pin there. Or, or if you're listening to me in your car, Look, don't do it right now if you're driving, okay? But, like, when you park, uh, pull your seat back. I, you'll find a pin there. I guarantee it. The same thing with pennies. 
right? Like, you don't have to work for money. You can find pennies everywhere, okay? Uh, like, I'm not being cute here. There are certain things that just are always available to us, okay? Well, the weird thing is, is that, like, today, I was doing laundry, and I... I was hanging everything up in my closet, my, my like work shirts and my pants. And I realized that I'm, I, I'm out of clothes hangers. I don't have any clothes hangers. And this is weird. Like th these are just always there, right? Like you run out of hangers and they just magically appear. And, uh, like I was like, I don't, I have no hangers in the, in the house. I'm either going to have to double up or I'm going to have to go get new hangers for my clothes. Right. And, like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> right? So I, I go down to Publix, and, and lo and behold, there's, like, a whole shelf of hangers there. And they're selling them. Right? Like, I have them over here. Hang on just a second. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll show them to you, okay? You know, just let me, let me, give me a second. found these nice hangers here okay <laughs> like three dollars you had to buy them i've never bought clothes hangers in my entire life but but there i am in Publix on a sunday afternoon right buying these things okay found them on a rack i did not know they, they all they're always just there if i need them but but you know Today they weren't, so I had to uh, go buy them. Another thing that I saw for sale, I didn't get any of these because I never need these because I don't live in the 1930s. <laughs> clothes hangers, like clothes pins, I mean. You know these clothes pins, these things that you, uh, the little wooden things on hinges, right? I didn't mean to sound like elitist by saying I'm not in the 1930s, but, you know, like whenever you watch movies about the Great Depression, there's always people like hanging up clothes on clotheslines outside their farmhouses, <laughs> right? I don't really have a need for clothespins. Like, what do you use those for other than, like, hanging up laundry? Like, I, I know that, like, when we were in grade school, we would put them on our noses and, like, on our ears and stuff and watch, like, the color drain from them. But, um, but yeah, you could buy clothespins. You could get, like, a, a whole pack of them for $5. Like, is that a lot for clothespins? I don't know. <laughs> Are clothespins suffering in this economy as well? Do we have to give more money? for clothespins right but i i just had this feeling today as i was uh buying my clothes hangers right i'm not really sure it was necessary to get up and get these because <laughs> if you're listening you can't see them and if you're watching you're like so what but uh right i was just like today is this what it feels like to be rich right to just like wake up in the morning and the things that you need are just presented to you, right? Like you see in the movies, you know, people wake up and they just have like this butler bring them breakfast or whatever. And, uh, you know, just if they run out of something, it's just there for them the next day. I don't know. It's like, um, it's like Mr. Burns, right? On the Simpsons when he loses all of his money. And he actually, he actually has to go shopping 
And he goes to like the grocery store and he sees Crustios and he's like, do you have any Burnzos? Right. He just thinks that everybody has their own personalized cereal or something. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. And this is always a joke in movies, but I, I kind of feel today like it must be true. Like we do just assume that we will always have pins until we don't have pins. Like, I legitimately had to go to the dollar store one time because I could not find any pins in my house at all. No pins at all. It was a pin apocalypse. Yeah, scamming is very much on my mind these past couple weeks or so. Right, I think, like, just... How could it not be? Because, again, not to make this a, a generational thing, but... Uh, right, I'm 39 years old. And I think a lot of people my age around my age, like we, we did grow up with this idea that we should be, we should have it nice. We should have it better. Okay. Growing up in the age of relative world peace between the early nineties. And of course the early two thousands, the internet was making everybody's life so much easier. Okay. Our, our parents, right had inherited the courage of the greatest generation and the wealth of a good economy and we were just supposed to be uh we were supposed to like it was supposed to trickle down to us right and yet there we find ourselves in the past 20 years Nothing really has changed. We're still working in these office cubicles. We're still paying a ridiculous amount of taxes. Paying insane prices at the gas pump, right? And something has just gone wrong. And I think that's like the, the, the general malaise of like my generation, okay? Added to all the pop culture that we've taken in, right? Watching movies like Office Space, which came out in 1999, and just very much scared. I mean, that, that movie, I think for like people my age, was a horror movie. And just seeing this like horrific nightmare of waking up every morning and going in and being yelled at by eight different bosses. And uh, sitting in this cubicle that uh, is essentially like a jail cell, right? It just, we didn't want that. And I think like that's one of the reasons why that movie became such a big hit, not necessarily upon initial release, but Office Space is like a huge cult hit uh, for millennials and, uh, and late Gen Xers. Okay. And, and of course, we, we grew up also watching um, companies like Microsoft and Apple become global mega corporations 
uh, off of the backs of scamming each other, right? Stealing each other's designs and Microsoft being sued by the federal government for you know, forcing every PC manufacturer to have Windows on it or to have, a, to have Internet Explorer on it, right? We, we, we grew up un under this very specific kind of thumb, And uh, I, th I think like what, what's going on right now is that you do have this like generation of scammers who are just uh, tired of it and uh, are just kind of trying to fight back, right? It's still bad. It's still breaking the law, but uh, it's very interesting. And again, streaming services seem to be cashing in on this right now. They're, they're every, every single week, there seems to be like a new show, right? Like you got this Inventing Anna on Netflix, you got this show called The Tinder Swindler, right? Also on Netflix, which is about this guy who uses Tinder to like exploit these vulnerable, you know, women by saying that he's like the heir to this diamond fortune and then taking their American Express cards, maxing them out um, before they finally get get wise to him, right? Uh, you have uh, Pam and Tommy on Hulu, which is all about this carpenter who uh, stole the sex tape of the newlyweds, uh, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, and uh, sold it on the internet to people. Uh, Generation Hustle is like this uh, seven-part Netflix documentary, or ten-part, whatever, Netflix, HBO. Every single episode covers a different kind of scammer. And I would definitely recommend watching that. It's, it's fascinating because, again, it's like these kids who, who they have, like, ambition to be something, to, to be what they see on their phones and, and, and everything. But they're trapped in their boring dimensions. How do they get there? Well, they use what they have at their disposal, which is their wits, okay? And YouTube. YouTube teaches them how to do everything, <laughs> <laughs> right that cannot be denied yeah youtube youtube right youtube <laughs> the original story about a scamster that was dramatized many years ago was this movie called uh, Shattered Glass. It's a movie that came out in 2003. I think that was the movie that was really about the original Generation X con artist. This uh, guy named Stephen Glass, who worked at the uh, New Republic magazine, and at only 26 was one of the highest paid and the most sought after uh, young journalists among all of the, 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 the essentially, what do you want to call them, journalati, <laughs> right? The, the, these elite presses like Harper's, The New Yorker, New Republic. Okay. 
New York Magazine, all these like real snooty rags, okay? And again, he wasn't necessarily this kid from like the working class dimension. He, he was born in a very uh, affluent suburb of Chicago, this place called Highland Park. And uh, Stephen Glass worked his way into the job at the New Republic magazine uh, on merit. He was a very good writer. But at the same time that he was writing for all these magazines, he was also going to law school. And I guess the, the, the tension kind of got to him. The stress was too much to bear. So what happened was is that he started making everything up. And he made up these amazing stories, like this one story about this uh, trade show that was like selling explicit items based on the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky affair, right? Like monocondoms, things like that. And then he wrote this one article about this uh, Republican, young Republicans conference where uh, the young Republicans kind of bailed on all of the conferences that were being and all of the talks that were being given by like the Republican illuminaries and they went into their hotel rooms upstairs and started calling prostitutes and, and things like that. Right. He would actually write stuff that, that, that really did damage the reputations of a lot of people in Washington, but somehow nobody ever found out that he was making all this stuff up. And it wasn't until he wrote this one story uh, about a convention of hackers who got together and this is this is in the uh, in the late 90s that all this is happening. So the internet is still very young, and not a lot of people know how it works. But people know that there are hackers out there, right? These computer super geniuses, okay? Who, uh, you know, they they you know, basically most people would have seen that movie Hackers, or they may have, they may have may have seen the net with that girl from the bus, Sandra Bullock, right? But generally, they're in the dark about how the internet actually works. So it allowed Stephen Glass to essentially make up the story about a group of hackers who meet for a convention in Washington, D.C. And this one hacker, who's like 15 years old, has this meeting with the board of this California uh, software company. And he has breached their security and gotten on uh, to their website. And rather than prosecuting this hacker, they actually hire him to come on and fix their security. It's a totally believable story because this has indeed happened in real life. Several years after Stephen Glass fictionalized it for the story called Hack Heaven that he wrote and said was true. So, uh, not to give everything away, but uh, Shattered Glass is a movie that came out in 2003, and I would highly recommend it. It's a fantastic film. Stars that kid, uh, Hayden Christensen, right? <laughs> Who uh, is kind of a joke in those Star Wars movies, but he's really good in this movie. This Stephen Glass, who just like you feel kind of like the way that I felt when I ordered that pizza from Domino's. You just see sweat begin to like creep down from his hair onto his face and mix with his tears 
upon his realization that he is caught, right? That he is not a con artist. He's a writer. And he can fictionalize and create fantasy, right? But when you call it truth, it's something different. But the interesting thing about Stephen Glass is that he didn't necessarily want money or fame. He just wanted to get the work done. He wanted to just get it done, get it off his desk, so he could concentrate on something else, which I think is a fascinating con because like a lot of these scammers once again they sort of think about it's more of an ego trip for them but it wasn't i don't think an ego trip for this kid named stephen glass 28 years old writing for one of the most prestigious uh publications in journalism in america he just wanted to get it done and he never even really thought that people would uh would call him out on it because he went out and found stories that could not be verified by anybody. So if you don't have anybody trying to verify your stories and trying to compete against you, then, you know, you're in the clear. You're in the clear, right? So, boy. Oh, my God. So, what else is going on tonight? Yes. Speaking of getting it off my desk, I'm going through my show notes. I was... I talked about everything I want to talk about tonight. I don't know. Maybe I'll come back. All right. Without further ado, let's go down to that wonderful place. Yes. That place down on the corner where we go every Saturday night. Yeah. Let's head down. To the Video Street Video Store, yes, check out some of their new stock and enjoy it. I'll see you right back here right after that. Protestant or something like that? Well, I don't know. It's people who work hard and get up very early in the morning to catch the Japanese market, whatever that may be. It's not a life that I've led myself, really. I always thought it was a freshwater crustacean, because I went to the Swan River in Australia, and I had yuppies to eat there. They were quite very nice. Inside the city greenhouses, however, monuments to mammon and the market and home of the yuppie, life this week must seem as fragile as a glass superstructure. But did the stock market crash mean that future profit was just a mirage? At the city's most famous watering hole, they think not. Here, burnt-out yuppies may come and go, but smoked salmon and bubbly goes on forever. They like a nice plate of smoked salmon, a sole, a nice bit of turban, oysters are good sellers, prawns are a good seller. What do they drink? Sancerre, Chablis. They're in a good mood, they drink champagne. Would you be a yuppie? Good God, I'm too old, too rich. Uh, too rich, yeah. How much have you seen spent uh, on champagne at a single lunch? With a lunch? £400. Would you like your daughter to marry a yuppie? Um, no. <laughs> I think they're terrible in bed. 
Why, should, why would a yuppie be bad in bed? Well, because they want to practice. If you're working 12 hours a day. Um, a yuppie, they conjure up a picture of young people that normally frequent wine bars and uh, normally they can't hold the drink that they imbibe. You've never had to clear out a wine bar on horseback or anything? Of, of yuppies, no. At Hayes Wharf, City Prophets have created a yuppie temple. But star guru Peter York believes yuppie means rather more than just fast money. The people who actually test-drove the whole idea of yuppiedom were often more over 30 than under 30. And because there's this tiny group doing very well in the city, people think it's all about them. But if the city disappeared overnight, there'd still be yuppies in this country. It's not all about the city. Everyone has their own idea of what a yuppie is, so do they really exist? In the interests of journalistic inquiry, we laced a trap with enormous amounts of champagne. But would this shy, much-envied species show itself? The trap sprung, the yuppie appeared in pinstripe plumage. Rodney, where do you live? I live in Dunwich. What do you drive? Uh, a BMW. Are you single? Uh, yes, I am, although I live in Sin and thoroughly enjoy it. And uh, would you regard yourself as reasonably wealthy? Uh, reasonably. So you're a yuppie? Um, I wouldn't consider myself one, but uh, friends tell me that I am, particularly at the golf club, so I've decided to come out of the closet. Yes, I probably am a yuppie. Sarah, now you wouldn't be proud to be a yuppie. If no, I called I you one, yuppie. what would your I'd, reaction I'd be? I'd be grossly offended if you called me a yuppie. Why? Simply because of the stigma attached to being a yuppie. Yes, I would not like to be described as being a yuppie. Why not? Um, there's a derogatory sense of um, flaunting wealth which I, I wouldn't like to have ascribed to me. I can't say honestly that I always wanted to become a yuppie, but having said that, I always wanted a BMW. And um, I think the two just came together. Today you're proud to be a yuppie? Yes, all right, I admit it. I'm proud to be a yuppie. Because of the city, people think, oh, yuppies are people who are in it for the, the big kill, the, the, the 200,000 a year before burnout. Mm -hmm. But often, yuppies are actually much more thoughtful, clever people than that, who are balancing quality of life against money. Yuppies live in a ring of mainly inner suburbs where they can buy good quality Edwardian houses and make something of them. So um, yuppies could live in Kilburn or West Hampstead on the one hand, or in Battersea on the other. Is J.R. Ewing a yuppie? No, he's too rich. You can be too rich to be a yuppie? Oh, I think so. What's the stage above yuppie, then, if you're too rich to be a yuppie? Uh, well, I suppose there is life after yuppinism. Uh, just being a simple multi-millionaire is mul enough? A simple multi-millionaire Texan is quite sufficient for me, <laughs> thank you. Peter, I have to say, uh, you come across to me as yuppie. Are you a yuppie? Well, Lindsay, I have to say, I left all that behind me. Too vulgar for you? No, I done it. Is this yuppie, then, the suit? Yes, absolutely. Shirt, this is completely down-the-line, cliché yuppie style, yes. Yuppie looks fairly conservative, then, to me. Uh, indeed. Indeed. At the Dorchester, the upwardly mobile mix with those like Lord Snowden, who can't go upward anymore without falling off. Once, he was the ultimate self-made young man. Today, photographer to the stars, he launches his latest collection, the ideal coffee table book for the yuppie home. And if you pictured yuppies as under 30, think again. What did you think of your portrait, Mr. Moy? I thought it was most flattering, as indeed all good portraits should be. I look lively and young. That's the important thing nowadays. Are you an older yuppie? 
Well, I've, I've been a yappy all my life. Yeah, I don't know what it means except to try and make money easily. But um, yes, Have you I rather like, like the word. I suppose all in all, if I was young enough and mobile enough, I'd awfully like to be a yuppie. It seems to be the only hope for the future, doesn't it? Yuppies make a lot of money. I don't think um, we're in the same league. I guess I'm deeply envious of anybody who's mobile anywhere, really. As I, my own career stagnated these many years past. And uh, if it means that you can have a little bed sitting room in Battersea or some uh, equally salubrious part, say Wandsworth, uh, that seems to be an important part of being a yuppie. I would very much like to be one. I don't think they're much duller than somebody like you, though. I mean, they spend most I, of their I, lives no, making money. My, my dear fellow, I'm inordinately dull and penniless to boot. I'd rather be equally dull and rather better off. But you wouldn't mind being described as a yuppie yourself? No, no, I am described as a yuppie. I'm the oldest living yuppie. Uh, ha, 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 ha. You can't be very upwardly mobile if you work for Thames Television, can you? <laughs> you think I'm downwardly mobile now? I would have thought so, otherwise you'd be BBC. <laughs> Well, that was Kenny Rogers and Sheena Easton on the Music Channel with Dave Otto doing Bob Seger's We've Got Tonight. Sheena Easton has come from being a relative unknown singer in Glasgow to the top of the American charts in two short years. And uh, that kind of rocket to fame success has its uh, shortcomings. She says that she just can't stand the touring. That's the one thing that she hates about all the success. But she puts up with it because it's something she has to do. Say, if uh, you want to pick up on the new consumer catalog that the United States government puts out, it's a real handy thing to have around the house, just like your set of encyclopedias, because it has 200 different pamphlets and publications that give you all kinds of information. What you have to do is write for the consumer catalog, Pueblo, Colorado, 81009. Okay, now another product from the British Isles on the Music Channel. Bonnie Tyler. Remember a few years back, It's a Heartache? Then she had a lull in her career, and now she's got the number one song across the country, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Bonnie Tyler on the Music Channel. Hi again, Dave Otto on the Music Channel. You know, not too long ago, Quincy Jones discovered a singer by the name of Jeffrey Osborne. Remember, On the Wings of Love? That was a great song. Well, recently, the Music Channel caught up with Jeffrey Osborne, and here's what he had to say. here on the Music Channel with Tell Her About It. And in that video, it was, of course, the one and only Rodney Dangerfield. But in his upcoming video, it is the one and only Christy Brinkley. She is the star in his newest video, Uptown Girl. In the video, Billy Joel plays the part of a gas station attendant. And uh, Christy Brinkley, who is his real-life girlfriend, drives up for service on her Rolls Royce. Now, you will be seeing the video right here on the Music Channel. We will be premiering the video this Friday night at 8 o'clock. So you'll want to be watching for that. Now, something else that you'll want to listen up for, uh, you won't want to miss out on this one. The Music Channel and Billy Joel have gotten together to present to you the Music Channel Billy Joel Concert Contest. The Music Channel will fly the winner plus four friends from anywhere in the country to New York for Billy Joel's New York concert appearance. Uh, we'll have a Rolls Royce waiting for you at the airport. You will be driven right up to the front door where Billy Joel will be performing. And you will get backstage passes plus 
an invitation to the after concert show. If you'd like to enter for that one, just send us a card to the music channel. We're at 7509 North 35th Avenue in Phoenix, Arizona. Zip code is 85021. Denise Black here with you on the music channel. And coming your way in just a moment, Donna Summer. She works hard for her money. Alive and kicking at the Carlton, that's Elton John. I'm still standing here on the Music Channel. And I'm D.W. Thomas. You know, Elton's been quite a busy man recently. He's currently working on putting together his 1984 Summer International Concert Tour, and he plans to share the bill on that tour with Rod Stewart. In addition, Elton is making a move to get back into the movie business. You might remember a number of years back when Elton starred in the movie Tommy when he was playing the pinball wizard. Well, now he's hoping to co-star with Liza Minnelli. This is the Music Channel on the Satellite Program Network, a chance for you to view some of the finest contemporary music available in America today in places like El Paso, Texas, on the Group W communication system. And if you're watching in El Paso, we hope that you're enjoying the things that you're seeing on the Music Channel. Coming up in just a moment, I've got the music of a man who's hoping to have his first television series packaged and ready to go by next spring. Ronnie Millsap and his song, Stranger in My House, here on the Music Channel. Hello, I'm Audrey Jones, another one of your VJs here at the Music Channel. Coming up next, I have videos from Kenny Rogers, this woman, as well as Fleetwood Mac member Christine McVie, got a hold on me. So enjoy the videos right here on the Music Channel. Summers, your midday VJ here at Music Channel 61. Now, coming up next, I want you to watch this quick word from Denise Black, and then we'll get straight back into the music with Phil Collins and the original. Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Black, and if you'd like to know what the 12 hottest videos were from this past week, just tune us in this Sunday at 6 o'clock for Music Channel's Top 12 Video Countdown Show. We not only have lots of great videos, but we have lots of great information about the videos and the artists. Also, we've got the contest winner for the number one video contest, and we have a premiere video from John Cougar Mellencamp and a tribute to the late Marvin Gaye. So for a real good time, tune us in this Sunday at 6 o'clock for Music Channel's Top 12 Videos. You're tuned to TV61, the Valley's music video station. Nice trip down to the Video Street Video Store. Yeah, what's going on at uh, Venice Beach right now? We got uh, more bicycle rickshaw people. I don't know who's running this camera. It, it, it says it's property of the Venice Hotel. hope I'm not violating uh, any copyright right now by showing this. But There's clearly somebody who's running the camera because the thing, it's not like last week at the uh, martini bar that I showed you in St. Augustine, Florida, where it was just stationary the whole time. But yeah, there's very clearly somebody who's like zooming in and panning and... I don't know. That must be an interesting job. It's like, yeah, we're gonna... I just imagine it's like uh, putting Luke Skywalker at like the Millennium Falcon or something like that, you know? Just put him down at like a turret, only instead of the gun... It's like a camera, and he just kind of spins around there like all cocky. 
getting shots of like old ladies and shirtless guys dancing by trash cans. So I hope you enjoyed that. Some good video for you. And kind of following a theme tonight, right? A theme. I don't really do theme shows. This is kind of turning into one of those weird shows. I think I've only done like four of them where I basically devote the entire show to talking about one thing. Generally, I like to talk about a lot of different things, right? But this one, I've just taught, been talking about scams, right? <laughs> but yeah, we we uh, we sort of like saw in that video just now. We, we saw like a news report from 1987 uh, that was all about like yuppies. Like, what are yuppies? That was like the big buzzword of the 80s to describe a class of people to put a label on a group of people. These young, upwardly mobile. Uh, people just out of college who were essentially like uh, trying to fake it until they made it, right? Living in cities, uh, taking over the corporate world, essentially like ageism, phasing out all the old people was uh, very much in fashion. Essentially like turning their their realm into another realm right before their eyes. Okay. And then we had like this uh, knockoff MTV channel. It was like a locally sourced uh, music television channel in Phoenix, Arizona. TV 61. That actually like, you know, like how MTV would have their VJs, but their VJs, like the idea of like a video jockey like Alan Hunter or somebody like that, they would actually be out and about, right? Like doing events, interviewing musicians, like at concerts and things like that. This channel was really sticking hard to that idea that like the the VJ was somebody who, no, would just like jockey video. So all of their VJs were just like sitting at control boards giving you information about the music video they were playing, right? Like, Christy Brinkley is Billy Joel's real girlfriend, and she appears in Uptown Girl. and He's like the lowly car mechanic who doesn't have a shot with her, right? But in this music video, they, they, they own the same oxygen. They own the same world, right? The same dimension, okay? <laughs> and I think the, the, this music, music channel, TV61 in Phoenix, Arizona, was trying to do that. They were trying to own the airwaves and compete with MTV, but it clearly was not working. Um, right. Those VJs had about as much chemistry as I do at my, <laughs> my worst moments. Right. Yeah. kind of funny though that I guess it was like really starting with Napster right 
that we were kind of trained to be scammers. Everybody was doing it. We were just conditioned to share copyrighted music with each other. And initially, it was just this thing where, like, we assumed that we were, it was okay. It's like, it's on the internet. You can download it. I, I, I mean, it, it's got a logo. I guess it's okay. I guess it's legal. And then very quickly, of course, when that drummer from Metallica started raising hell about it, it became clear that it wasn't okay, that uh, anybody who was using Napster was essentially participating in a crime. But we kept doing it anyway because we had gotten used to it. And by the way, you know, the, the two kids who created Napster were saying that we weren't committing a crime. So there was that big trial, right, to determine who was right. And of course, it came down to the fact that we were committing a crime, right? <laughs> but by that time, it was too late. Napster had turned us all... They, they had turned us all into thieves, right? And we went on torrenting and going on to movies one, two, three and finding ways to scam these companies. Tell you, I found out something interesting this week. You know, they, they had those hearings before Congress to determine if Napster was breaking the law. And, of course, Lars from Metallica led the anti-Napster camp. And then there was Chuck D in the other corner. Chuck D from, um, was it Public Enemy? And Chuck D went before Congress and, and, and said, like, I believe that Napster is giving music back to the creators, not just the audience, but the creators as well. It's allowing the creators to decide what they want to do, right, with their own destiny. And I found out this week, I always like thought Chuck D was pretty cool for that, but he was paid like $50,000 by Napster to say that. Like, say what you will about Lars from Metallica, but man, Lars wasn't paid money to like sell his soul. I mean, that's kind of surprising, but like, is that, is that really, it's kind of like a scam, right? What I think is very interesting is that scam culture has evolved now uh, to the point where we're cutting out the middleman. Like, we're all just accepting that we're going to get scammed. So we're just kind of meeting each other in the middle and being like, okay, we know that one of us is going to scam the other person. We just don't know who it is. And and this is called, like, NFTs and cryptocurrency, Right. Like, this is a scam. Everybody knows it's a scam, especially these NFTs. Like, I can sell 
an NFT of tonight's show art if I wanted to, right? The JPEG of tonight's show art for the Midnight Citizen, episode number 232, my short career as a con artist. I could say that that's a JPEG um, for $50,000, right? And I can put it out there and I can give you the code, the original code. And you can buy it, okay? So am I scamming you? Because I'm giving you something that's like pretty worthless. I mean, I think it's a good photo. I, I, I put a little bit of effort into it on Photoshop. And I, I think it's uh, interesting looking to represent tonight's show. But I wouldn't sell it for $50,000. I would just like give you a copy of it. I don't know. Here you go. But no, I'm, I'm going to give it to you for $50,000. And you're going to buy it for me, right? So now are you scamming me because you're like, ha ha. I know somebody who's going to give me $100,000 for this, right? So we both know that we're going to get scammed. The question is... Who's going to who, who's gonna be the scammer and who's going to be the scammy, right? I just think it's funny. We've gotten to the point now where we're just assuming that we're all going to get rolled over on. <laughs> we just accept it. And uh, we just... Uh, we create things like cryptocurrency and NFTs. And it allows us to just uh, accept our fate, I guess, right? All right, with that, I think I'm going to call it a night. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight on the Midnight Citizen Show in the Midnight Citizen Studio in beautiful, chilly Birmingham, Alabama on a Saturday night here in February of 2022. Happy birthday, by the way, to my mom. And tonight's her birthday. I love you, Mom. Keep your eyes open. Not just my mom, but you as well. Keep your eyes open. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.